All right, everybody, welcome to the After Ed Podcast. I am so happy on this Friday to have with me A.J. Uh, of the famous, famous book, Launch, uh, and the famous, famous book, Empower. Uh, A.J. is a design thinking master. Uh, he has an awesome, awesome academy that he runs to just uh, – being a, a great, great sports fan, a Philadelphia Eagles fan. That's Man, right. What a, what a great, what a great time to be you, sir. So uh, let's just, let's just jump right to it. Um, when, when did you know, uh, at what point did you just say, hey, you know what? Um, I'm not just uh, an ordinary teacher anymore. Like what was the defining moment that just made you want to do more? Uh, I, I actually, Jason, I thought you were going to ask, when did, did I know that the Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl? And, <laughs> <laughs> Be, uh, when the season first started, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I think it was when that pass finally dropped in the end zone after they all married. But, uh, yeah, no, yeah. you know, I, I'm excited to be on here. And I know we've, we've chatted a little bit before. And you know, I don't think there's anything as such as an ordinary teacher. I think that there is uh, teachers that take risks and uh, – and a lot of teachers that don't. And I feel like a lot of teachers don't feel like they can take risks given the environment that they're in, right? Because um, there's a lot of excuses in education to not take risks and just be completely compliant. Um, but when I knew that I had uh, resonated with something bigger than um, just kind of my own school district is when I wrote a blog post called The 20% Project like Google in my classroom and my kids were doing their genius hour, 20% projects. It's our first time doing it. It's back in uh, 2011. And you know, my blog, I, I blog all the time. Most of it was reflection. Some of it was kind of how to stuff. It was mostly for me and, and folks at my school. And uh, I would say probably, you know, the main people that were reading it were uh, my mom and my wife to make sure I didn't do anything silly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how to tell my mom uh, to stop retweeting my stuff. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I put that blog post out to the world and uh, something crazy happened. You know, two days later, I, my email's blowing up and I saw all these comments and I'm like, Oh man, that I, I got spammed again. I thought I put the spam blocker. And uh, sure enough, I go check out my blog and I had over 10,000 visitors to my blog in the past day or so. I had 113 wow. comments on this blog post. And uh, I was like, what happened, right? And it just so happens. I put the blog post out on Twitter. I used the hashtag 20 time. And uh, when a, a Google engineer posted it on Hacker News, posted it on Reddit, uh, sent it around their groups of people. Uh, it trended to the number one story on Hacker News. Uh, for almost a full eight hours, and it was uh, it was awesome. And one of the coolest thing was that, you know, all those people leaving comments, they wanted to help the kids in my class. And it was the first time that I realized that, like, people generally want to help kids. They, they want to do right. They want to make their education better than the education that they had. A lot of people would say, um, hey, AJ, you, you wrote this book, Launch, so uh, this is for yourself. So, you know, this is, a, this is one of those egotistical <laughs> things. So what would, you, what would you say to somebody who uh, would say something like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, you know, you, you want to you wanna put yourself out there um, 
and uh, you'd be open to all kinds of criticisms. But I think it's it, it's not really acceptable to not share anymore. I, I think that if we keep these kind of closed gardens, these closed doors of the classrooms, I think we're doing a huge disservice to every teacher out there and every student out there. And uh, with the internet as it is, I, I mean, I think that sharing blog posts and articles online and podcasts like you're doing right here is, is an awesome step, but there's something about a book uh, that gives a legitimacy to a topic that maybe wouldn't have the same legitimacy if it was just a podcast or just an article or something like that. And so for launch, you know, we just, we, we wanted to put design thinking in the hands of as many teachers possible. And uh, that was kind of our, one of our main goals to do that was, was putting that book out to the world. Yeah. And AJ, it really is a great book. I, I read it um, a couple years ago myself and um just this year, um, my principal decided um, that he was going to host a, a book study uh, around uh, launch. Um, so it, it's great. You know, we, we've had about eight or nine teachers that um, really, really wanted to to read the book. And so we've had some great conversations just around it. Uh, and then also with me being in middle school um, in Henrico, we actually have 72 schools, but we have eight middle schools. And uh, the county's undergoing this middle school transformation where, um, you know, design thinking um, and this outside the box, taking risk, deeper learning uh, approach to education is something that it seems like we're really, really invested in. Um, and, and I'm 100% on board, and, and this is proof right now, but um, some people are still reluctant. So what what advice would you give to that person that's maybe thinking about uh, taking a risk, uh, small scale, big scale, but just can't quite seem to get over the hump yet? Yeah. So <clears throat> I think that, you know, it, take, take those small risks. And um, if you're skeptical, I think it's human nature to be skeptical when we try something new. You know, there's a, uh, there's a term called loss aversion, which is we're much – we're much more likely to care about what we're going to lose about trying something new than what we're going to gain by trying something new. Right. And uh, yeah. uh, with the Olympics coming up right now, it's really interesting. There's all these articles going around about loss aversion because they found that bronze medalists are much happier than silver medalists. Uh, and that's because silver medalists compare themselves with gold medalists and bronze medalists compare themselves with the people in fourth place. And I think a lot of mm. it has to do to that, that kind of same of psychological block, which is, you know, us kind of not knowing what the outcomes are going to be. You know, if we teach from the textbook and we give the kids a multiple choice test, we, we kind of know what the outcome is going to be, right? We know what our teaching day is going to look like. We know uh, that parents are going to be comfortable with that. We know we're not going to get a lot of flack from that, from, from teachers or colleagues or administrators. We're just following the process. When you take a risk, I think um, – I think it's scary because you don't know if there's going to be criticism, pushback, or there's going to be failures along the way. But here's why design thinking is, is really cool of, of a process to do that. It's because there's this whole piece called iteration that's part of the process. So if the kids aren't succeeding or you're not succeeding with what you're doing, then you're, you're highlighting what's actually working and improving what's not or fixing what's not. And so it's not just one shot. You know, that's why I love design thinking. And that's why they use it at Facebook and Apple and Whole Foods and Amazon and all these different places, because if you want to uh, really achieve something great beyond kind of the status quo, 
you're probably not going to get it on your first shot. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, probably not exactly there on the first try. And so that's why I think it's a little bit different than some of the other strategies that uh, are put out there. Really important about that is that in our vision is academics, the arts, athletics, and partnerships. And so our focus isn't on just academics, and it's not just on athletics or those different types of things. It's built into how we make decisions, how we spend money, how we spend our time. And I think when you can do that, what you have is a situation where a lot of the innovation comes from teachers. And the support comes from up top because that's built into the fundamentals of of what we are as a district. Whereas a lot of other districts, um, it's it's a you get all all of a sudden you get this innovative leader that comes in. They got all these ideas. They want to get things moving, and it's just kind of focused around one person or a cohort of people. And it's not from from the bottom up. It's not from the ground up. And I think those are the are the ones that really struggle to continue and to break out of those pockets of innovation. Yeah, that's great. And, and I just want to, I, I got to ask you about the, that fourth component that you mentioned, the partnerships. And this is just my own personal experience. What, you know, I, I basically went to my principal at the end of last year uh, and told him about my idea for this innovation class that I had. And, and like most principals, you know, he said, well, that sounds good, but, you know, let's, let's see what, what you can do. You know, br- bring me a little more than just an idea. So, uh, you know, the long story short there is that, um, I just started sending out emails and making phone calls to universities and businesses, and I was so shocked at how many people wanted to be involved. It was almost like they were just waiting on someone from the education community to just call them and just say, hey, this is how you can help us. Like every – no one has said no yet. So, I mean, is it it that – yeah, I mean, is it that simple? Like do – you know, we always talk about blending higher ed and K-12 and then the real world business. Like, is it just as simple as education, as teachers reaching out to these people? I mean, at the, at the, the essence of that question is yes, it is that simple. And uh, all it takes is one minute to send an email. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff that goes ahead of that right so like you had to have the vision you had to have the support uh you had to know what you're going to do kind of with those partnerships and i think that's where people get caught up is they get caught up on, on wanting to like create this perfect partnership and spend all this time instead of just reaching out to 10 different companies or organizations or institutions or universities and seeing what comes up and then developing after that piece I think we want to have everything developed in education up front so much that we don't give ourselves an open opportunity uh, to kind of iterate along the way and and, uh, and see what's out there. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so great uh, talking with um, someone that, that shares that view. Um, I don't necessarily think that we get that uh, everywhere, you know, we uh, back again. And, you know, this is this is not just talking about my county. This this could be anywhere in in the country. But uh, you know, what what would you say to those folks that that argue? Um, you know, we we have to. If let's say you have a choice, you can put in this new innovation class where you do nothing but design thinking and uh, whatever else is innovative in your book, and then uh, it comes down to remedial math. 
um, double blocking, for example. Um, why, why would you argue that throwing that innovation class, that design thinking class, is more important? Or, or AJ, I got one final question for you, sir. Who had right. which which Philadelphia Eagle player had the best speech at the victory parade? Well, now I'll tell you, Jason Kelsey uh, was had quite the speech. There was a lot of profanity in it, though, right? Yeah, a little bit. Um, just a little bit of profanity, and I think most people would say uh, Jason Kelsey. Uh, but however, I thought. Probably the most interesting speech uh, was Carson Wentz's speech. It was short. It was to the point. Um, but he was almost on the on the brink of tears if he wasn't crying. And I think it was because he saw how much this meant to so many people. And I think Carson's ultimate goal is not just to be a great football player, it's just to reach as many people as possible. And so when he was talking in his speech talked about how this kind of feeling that this uh, kind of the fans have right now is this collective feeling that we should all kind of aspire uh, to get on a more regular basis. It shouldn't just take a football team. And, uh, you know, he said we're going to be back next year and all that kind of stuff. But I think it was just the the uh, for a young man to say something like as profound as that, I, I thought it was a fantastic minute-long speech uh, that I think got got missed with all the uh, dogs and, and hooting and hollering <laughs> of everybody else. <laughs> That's great. That's great. AJ, for people that don't know you and those that are going to listen to me for some reason and have never heard of you, <laughs> where where can they find you? Where can they find what you're doing now? Uh, let them know. Yeah, so I'm pretty much AJ Giuliani everywhere. Uh, so AJGiuliani.com, I'm at AJGiuliani on Twitter, on Google, on 
Instagram, on Facebook, all those different places. Um, and I and I'll tell you what the the thing that's so exciting to me, uh, Jason, is that um, I I really believe that we're at this kind of like turning point in education. And um, I've been at this for a while. I've been blessed to be able to go speak at a lot of different schools and conferences with lots of teachers from around our country and around the world. And um, what I'm seeing more and more uh, when I'm out and about, not just in my own district, when I'm out and about in different schools and districts, is that there's a different focus from leadership and there's a different focus from teachers. And both of that, both of their focus is kind of like, we're kind of getting old. I'm just focused on the test. Because even when we do really well on the test, what, is, what does that do for our kids? We're not seeing it have a return on investment in terms of giving our kids better opportunities. And I think that focus, that ultimate focus of education, which is giving our kids a wealth of opportunities when they leave our school and when they're inside our school, that, to me, when you get all types of people and parents and students talking about that, man, that's the shift that we 